What's up, what's up, what's up? Hey y'all, it's your girl Allie, the host of the Be That Bitch podcast, where we talk all about being that bitch. And I am so excited to have y'all here. Welcome back if you have been around for a hot minute and welcome to the shit show if you're brand new. Just gonna throw you into the deep end. I am so excited for this next episode because it is the one that all of y'all have been waiting on. It is my marathon recap episode. So for those of y'all that don't follow me on social media, you won't know this, but I ran my second ever marathon this past weekend, the Albany, Georgia Marathon. And so much freaking happened in the midst of these 26.2 miles. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. This episode was really hard for me to record. I almost didn't do it because this marathon did not go exactly how I would have hoped it to. And it, it was very emotionally, physically, and mentally taxing on me. And even recording this episode, I got really, you know, choked up and emotional because it was just a really freaking hard day. But I do believe in the power of sharing hard and letting everybody see that you know what? It's okay to struggle. It's okay to fall. It's okay to have to claw your way, but it's just not okay to give up. And this is kind of my testament to that and sharing my, uh, I don't know, my comeback story. I don't think it's must. I don't think I would call it a comeback, but maybe my power of wills. I don't fucking know. But just sharing how I fought through all of the mental shit that I got put through. So I'm going to definitely leave this intro short because the interview itself is pretty dang long. And I did do it with my running coach, Caleb. He is phenomenal. He actually drove from North Carolina to be with me through this marathon. And so you're going to get to kind of hear from my perspective, from his perspective, everything that went down. And then I will be answering the million dollar question. Will I run a marathon again? Yes or no? You're going to have to listen to find out. Um, But I do want to say if you enjoyed this episode or if it inspired you or anything, please don't forget to share it on social. It does help the podcast grow so much and it just, you know, might inspire somebody else. So make sure that you share it on social and tag me so I can thank you and then head over to Apple or Spotify and click the five star rating and review. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys get to the meat and taters of this podcast episode because it's a long in, but it is a good in. So let's get to it. Hey y'all. So we are here with Caleb, my running coach. You guys follow me on Instagram. You know, over this last weekend, I ran my second marathon. Um, and it's taken me, taken me a minute to like compose my feelings. And so if I get like super emotional and cry during this, it's fine. I've literally cried nonstop since Saturday. Um, but Caleb was here with there with me the entire way. And so I was like, I want to do this breakdown with him. Um, because when you're in the like heat of it, I feel like you don't realize what's going on and like your thoughts and you don't realize what's going around you. And so I was like, he'll be really good to give kind of like that outside perspective, um, as somebody that was there. So hi, Caleb, welcome to the podcast. What's up? Thanks for having me. I'm really excited about this. I am too. So I thought we would start off with talking about training. So <laughs> I know a lot of us, um, you know, kind of wonder, wonder, I know a lot of people wonder the back end of like 
the training that leads up to the marathon, because like you say all the time, like the, the marathon's just the final 26 miles of like a lot of them, right? It's just that final push, but really it's the training. So I thought maybe you wanted to kind of go over like training and how you put mind like mind behind training. Cause I don't really know anything around it. I just like do what you say to do. <laughs> so if somebody's like, okay, at the end of this, you've inspired me to run a marathon, like maybe give an idea of mileage or, you know, a little bit about how you construct training plans and stuff like that. Okay. Before we hop into all the ins and outs of training and everything, I just want to read something. So this is the marathon owes you nothing. And this is from a, an elite marathoner who wrote this a few years ago. Okay. And okay. It says, so you want to race a marathon. You've declared your intent to test yourself over 26.2 miles. Maybe you've even ran one before, possibly many. It doesn't matter. Sure, experience helps. It may increase your chance of success or not. The marathon is too far and too fickle to be tamed by your intentions. The truth is the marathon will take from you everything you brought and more. That's its guarantee, and that's why we love it. The length is arbitrary. The distance between two Greek towns was fortuitous, nearly far enough to break us, almost. 20 miles would be simple, demanding just the amount of energy we carry within us naturally. 30-plus miles might offer a justification to slow, a prudent distance to employ caution. But 26.2, far enough to test, short enough to tempt. But simply, running is not racing. Racing is testing. It's submitting yourself to a task, unsure of the outcome for the thrill of discovering the answer to the question. Can I handle this much for that long? It's well known that the first guy to run a marathon died doing so. The sheer distance, the numerous walls you face, the inner demons that are telling you it's too hard. Just quit now and end the suffering. These are just a couple examples in a cacophony of attacks that the mind is screaming at us internally. Oh, wow. Okay. So a lot of those words were really big. So my mind can't compute some of those giant words, but I, <laughs> I got the gist of it and you know, it's insane. The walls that you will get into all that, but I love <laughs> that. Uh, who wrote that? So the first couple of paragraphs were, was uh, Peter Bromka, and then the last one was me. I like and the it, last I just, one the best. The be last yeah. one's what really got to me. Well, I had definitely he, the last. Too many big words I, for me. The last one was definitely inspired by seeing the things that you had to experience out there and you overcame like numerous times, numerous times. I mean, it was such a, uh, you know, and I use the term grit show. And I don't use that lightly. I mean, I, I like to see somebody come at the end of their self of what they what they what they think that they're capable of doing, and then they just cross that line of sheer grit, and determination, and that's what you done out there the other day. So, but yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get yeah, into that. We'll, we'll get into that because I'm not ready to cry just yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> let me let's let's break down kind of like training and you know, just maybe do like three ish minutes. We'll talk about the training. I'll talk about like the way that I like perceived it leading up and you can kind of talk about it on the back end of a technical point. Okay. So, 
you want to kick us off and talk about yeah. like the technical part about d- training for a marathon and stuff like that? I think first and foremost, um, if you want to sign up for a marathon, a couple of things that I really like for people to, for people to be able to like some standards that I would love for people to be able to hit. Number one is you should be able to do a 10 mile run. Like you should be able to do a 10 mile long run in the midst of, uh, you know, early, early part of your training. You know, I think like intervals, right? Like to be able to run and walk, not like they don't have to run an entire 10 miles. I wouldn't say. No, no, not absolutely not. It's just time on your feet. People, when they hear that, they're like, so you say I have to run nonstop 10 miles before I can even think about doing this. And I'm like, wait, let's, let's, let's emphasize. You can do intervals. Don't get technical motherfuckers. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. That's great advice, Allie. Um, You know, because my perception of running a marathon is slightly different than most people's, right? Because I mean, just what I'm able to accomplish right now is slightly different than a lot of other people. It's just not slightly. And it's, and that's okay. Like it's, it's even more impressive. I think, and you know, when I see people go out um, that don't have the speed that are run walking, you know, the race and everything, the fact that they're on their feet four or five, six hours, I mean, is absolutely incredible. And so, Yes, you can break that 10 miles down into intervals. Um, and it's all about time on your feet. And and at the end of that, you should not be destroyed. Like that 10-mile run, walk, run, however you break that down, should not destroy you. You should be able to bounce back in a couple of days and pick up your training. So that is one thing um, that I would love that I love for people to be able to accomplish before they commit to being able to do a marathon. Now, usually if you have a good base. If you have, if you've done 10 K's half marathons, like that tells me that you are prepared, that you have the experience to, to bump up and to commit yourself to 16, 20 weeks of focused marathon training. And so, um, you know, you and I got, when was it we put this race on the calendar? Uh, early December, I think it was. And we, that was it. Yeah, so we put it on the calendar early December and started training for it like a couple weeks into December. So mm-hmm. so before that, you were training for half marathons. Yeah, right? so I went right from a half marathon to the marathon. Yeah, you you actually done two half marathons. <laughs> yeah. One in- so I did two training, the half marathon, my half marathon training block ended. And then two weeks later, we started the marathon training block. And see, I think that's really important for people to hear is um, you don't have to go out and race a half marathon. I do think it's really important that you get some experience, though. Know uh, what you're going to be using for fuel and know, um, you know, a little bit of hydration tips and advice and and things of that nature. And just know what the demands are on your body. And so, like, I love to see people do these tune-up races. And that's what we've done together um, in October and November and you're hitting, you know, you, the first one, you hit the PR and half marathon. The second one went a little differently because it was really hilly that day. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just being able to go out and test yourself in these um, shorter distances is another thing that I, I love for people to to commit to before they hop into a marathon. Like you, there, there is no couch to marathon training plan. I mean, it's just. You'll t- I mean, there's a lot of risk of you getting hurt, getting setbacks, injuries and everything. And so 
working your way up, doing these shorter distances, 10K half marathons is really, really important. And, you know, that's what that's what we've done leading up to this marathon. And you came to me um, after you done that last half marathon and you were like, OK, so Chris said, if I can run three days a week, then I could do this marathon. Now, what did you first? Yeah, that was the big like, thing. So when we first started, like when we first started talking about doing a marathon, you know, you got to talk with your significant other because it's a big, like a big it, fucking time commitment every single week, like day in and day out. It's a big time commitment, and it's not just you that's committing to the time. It's your significant other watching the kids. It's trying to like make sure you can fit it within your schedule. And so like that's the first thing that I would from like a person that went into the training would suggest is making sure you sit down with your significant other and talk about the commitment that it's going to take on both of y'all. Um and so I did that with Chris and he said, like, we can't do four days a week. Like, like just, there's no running four days a week. I can't, you know, man, the kids cook supper four days a week on top of everything else. And so I ended up only being able to do three days a week until I bought a treadmill. Um, so I think that's really important is like for us to realize that, that like committing to a marathon, yes, you've got to do all the work, but it also takes a, a, freaking support system of your significant other and your family and your friends to help get you through it also. That's some really good advice. Yeah. You know, you, you really got to consider the demands and the time uh, commitment that you, that you're going to be, you know, putting forth in marathon training and it's, you know, it's really exhausting and it's really challenging. And, you know, um, before you even hop into it and sign up, you know, those are definitely some things that people need to consider. So like, to kind of get into the training that that you and I done early on in your training block, we done a lot of fartlek workouts, so like speed work, um, you know, minute on, minute off, two minutes on, two minutes off, that that type of stuff. Just because you don't want to um, kind of hop into the deep end, and it's really it's just not wise to do so. But you just kind of want to build that speed early on in the training block. What I was having you do is focus on like 5k and 10k type effort stuff right and that's an expression that i heard one time is like the think of a floor and a ceiling so the ceiling is your speed right and the floor is your endurance so early on in marathon training you want to focus on raising that ceiling and focus on that speed and everything and just generating leg turnover and and um, all of those things and so then later on as we progress into training we, then we raise the floor and that's when we kind of transition to longer repeats, mile repeats, um, two mile repeats, things of that nature. And so you usually do that about eight weeks out from your race. And so that's what I had you doing a lot of. And, uh, you know, I, honestly, I was really nervous going into this and I never would have told you that. Like I had to I had to have my shit together, like and be buttoned down and everything. But coming into this thing knowing that you were doing three maybe four days of training a week I was a little I was like Ugh, I don't know how this is going to play out but seeing how you know just the consistency that you put forth like um, another thing too that you really have to consider is you need to be doing about 90% of your runs get a training plan that you know that you can commit to about 90% of the time because it's going to be really really important this is such a um, this is such a challenging distance and so, it's so hard on your body. And if you do not put the volume in and the time on your feet, it's going to be a, it's going to be a shit show out there. So um, 
but yeah, that's just some things that I, you know, I love to, uh, I love to include and have people think about. Yeah. And so like, I mean, as far as training goes, you just want to make sure that you have at least like, I would say what you say, three months to train for it. Yeah. At I would least. say at least three months to train for it, at least three to four days to run. And that's not including strength training, which is so important. I will preach it till the day I die. Like, I don't think I would have been strong enough to finish that if it wasn't for strength training. Like I wouldn't, don't think I'd be able to get through a whole, like I've gone through multiple training blocks with knock on wood, no injuries because I am so religious about my strength training also. So you just have to make sure that you can commit to that time. Cause y'all like, it's a time commitment to train for a marathon. Like it sounds good. Like I want to run a marathon because less than 1% of the population runs a marathon, but you just have to make sure that it's feasible for you and, and your lifestyle and stuff like that. So as it goes for training, I miss, I think out of my entire training block, I only missed like three runs and I was really proud of that. But you know, as you go through your mindset after a run, I'm always like, well, like, what if I didn't miss these runs and stuff like that? And so I'm just got to like remind myself, like missing one or two runs is not going to make or break like your race. Um, so that's, that's just kind of a little bit about training. Now let's go ahead and break down this race because a lot happened a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot happened during 26.2 miles on Saturday. So I'm going to paint the picture. I'm going to paint the picture for y'all. Um, Albany, Georgia, South Georgia, um, 72% humidity. Okay. Humid as fuck. Um, UV of like six. There was not a lick of cloud in the sky. Hardly no trees. It was a flat course. We had that working for us. Um, but 76 degree weather was not. So it was hot. It was humid. I was already stressing about that going into this. Um, and I was trying my best to like stay distracted. I feel like I was trying my best to stay distracted leading up to the race staying busy. So I couldn't like be in my head about it. I already knew with the weather, it was going to be challenging, um, and more challenging, especially because I did a lot of my runs on the treadmill because mom life and all of that stuff. So I knew going into it, the weather was going to be my biggest challenge. Um, but I didn't realize how much I let like the weather get in my head and already kind of like freak myself out because I mean, you can ask Caleb, like at the beginning, like at the start line, I was shaking. Like I was, I was, I was not only hopped up on pre-workout. I took three scoops of pre-workout. Probably wasn't, probably wasn't my best idea ever. But on top of that, like I was so discombobulated. I forgot my sodium in the room. I forgot my hydration belt. I forgot my like, like cooling towels. I forgot everything. I even forgot my room key in the fucking room. Like I forgot, I literally feel like I would have forgotten my britches if I didn't think I would like get like a disorderly conduct thing or something. Like, I don't know. It was, I was, I was so discombobulated. I, yeah, like, I don't know. Leading up to the race, what, what was your takeaways going on? Because I feel like I was there, but I was not there. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I think that, um, once I showed up to the race start and I seen 
seen the weather forecast, I seen how warm it was that morning. I knew the humidity that you was going to be facing out there. Like, and then I know, seeing, you thought it was cold with your nipples, but we were like 70 degrees at start line. Oh yeah. It's totally different when you're out there warming up. I mean, you're, you're typically like 20, uh, 20 degrees warmer whenever, you know, you're exercising. So it probably felt like 80, 90 degrees for you. You know, yeah, like, let's, the- not, let's not breeze over that. I think a lot of people don't realize when you say weather, like, Oh, it was only 66 degrees. Oh, it was only 65 degrees. Like, yeah. If you're sitting on your ass, that feels cool. But like, you have to think when you're running, you have to add at least 15 to 20 degrees Absolutely. on top of what that weather is. And that's what your real feel is. I run, I'm a hot bitch. Like I run really hot. I feel like I got to add like 40 degrees to that because like it's just it was hot and it was yeah. really humid even at the start line and I you know I'm wondering too now that I know now that I'm thinking more about what you said about the pre-workout like how how that affected your hydration I mean that probably made well, you I always little- do two scoops anyways so I don't feel like a, a third <laughs> <laughs> and I'm- y'all so I thought it was a good idea <laughs> 70 degree weather, I mean, from a coaching standpoint, a runner, I mean, you know, a runner standpoint is not nowhere near ideal marathon weather. Like, you know, a lot of people may may be used to running in the heat and may, it may feel okay to them, but physiologically it's, it can turn into a shit show really, really quick. And that's, you know, as, as we talk about this race, you know, that's kind of what, what unfolded there. So, so before, so when I was in my hotel, I took my sodium. I did two scoops of, uh, fuck, what's it called again, Caleb? Was it laminate? Scratch. Scratch. I took yep. two scoops of scratch. Um, and then I like did that. So I ate nine. I ate ninety minutes before the marathon. That's a big thing. Like y'all want to eat at least ninety minutes ahead of time, so it gets time to digest and turn into energy. So I did that. Mm-hmm. I took my scratch, which is my sodium, which helps with like replenishing all of the shit that you're going to lose while sweating. And so the once I got to the start line, I realized I forgot all of that. So we had to kind of figure that out. So as the race started, I was feeling really solid. Like, I don't think I have ever started because we, we made the executive decision to go out super conservatively um, because I can run, I run like an 1140 on an easy run and it's 10 miles. Um, and then with like my 17 minute intervals, I think I was running like an average of 11, like 30 ish. So we went out super conservative, 1140 to 1150. And I held that the entire first half marathon. Um, I didn't, yeah. have any, I didn't have any pains. I didn't have any like, like pinches in my side, which are very common for me. I was just cruising along. You had, I had people around me. Now this was a smaller race and I want to put that in here. Like y'all, it was a smaller race and there is something that mentally F's you up when it's a smaller race and you don't have like a lot of people around you. Cause you don't have that that energy. Um, mm-hmm. but for the first half, mo- half, first half, or at least for the first like seven miles, the half marathon people and the marathon people were all together. So like you had the energy, you had people like I was like, I could talk <laughs> to them because I was going easy. I was like super optimistic. It felt good. I was feeling good. Um, I saw Caleb a couple times during that first half, but I feel like nothing really eventful. Happened that first half marathon, that, which what 
good. And that's good because you want to make it as boring as you possibly mm -hmm. can. You do not want to stress about the, you know, the mileage that you have to run. And I think it, we were doing a great job at that, making it boring, make it feel easy, you know, and I think it, that was something that we done really well to that first half. Yeah. I was listening to my audio book. Like I was just cruising along. It was fun. Um, he was meeting me at a couple places to give me my fuel because he was helping like go through the track, the trail, the course with me. So it was very uneventful, which for me was huge because I usually get such a big mental barrier when I hit mile 10. And I didn't get that. Like I did not hit a wall at mile 10 and I was going like super optimistically. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is going to be a game changer. Like this is going to be a great marathon. I was like this, I was already feeling great. My husband was sending me text message, like inspirational text messages every couple miles. I had Caleb and his energy. I had the energy of like everybody else. I was feeling on freaking top of the world. Like, I don't even know a better way to put it than on top of the world. Like, I felt like the world was my oyster and I, I, this was Allie's world and everybody else was just in it. Like, I literally felt amazing. Um, and I, like sodium was good. Like we didn't like have to do anything great. And I feel like a lot of people think that first half is like the really hard half. And for me, it's never been like the beginning miles have never been mentally challenging for me. It's always the deeper we get into the race. And this was no different, especially like a lot of people are like, Allie, you know, you've got the first half down now, you know, it's the easy half. And I'm like, bitch, like, really, <laughs> really think that? Like, I feel like you're just saying that that's not true. <laughs> and it wasn't for me. So I don't know if you had any like takeaways from like what I did the first half marathon and any thoughts like that. Cause I know the second is what we're really going to have to dive into. You know, I, I would just, I would just say that I think you've done an excellent job staying present, just clicking the miles off, making it easy, making it feel comfortable as, as it possibly can. And uh, you know, what I think happened, Allie was the heat, the heat hit you. I mean, it hit you right in the mouth. Well, I'm not a small bitch. I'm a big bitch. And it takes like, there's a heat messes with big bitches. Like, I mean, there's just like, we already hold enough heat in our body anyways. Like. <laughs> I'm serious. Once you got to that 13 mile mark, you know, I called you or you called me and you were like, Hey, I've got a really bad side stitch. You know, I'm kind of freaking out right now. And I was like, okay, when you get up here, we're going to get you, get you some laminate. I had some hydrovites. So we had a ton of sodium probably 1500 milligrams or so oh God, I literally it literally tasted like I was drinking fucking salt I kid you not <laughs> I was like like this is salt <laughs> I, th I thought you went through the McDonald's drive-thru and just like opened a bunch of salt packets and put it in there with a little bit of flavoring and called it a day <laughs> if I thought we needed to do that's what we was going to do <laughs> I knew that we had to stay ahead of things like you don't want you don't want to wait until you get behind on hydration or nutrition. And I, that was one thing that I wanted to do from my standpoint and my job being there to coach you in person was like, okay, let's keep her eating. Let's keep, you know, her, her morale up and let's keep her hydrated. Like that was my main three goals. So we so, had, we had the, the plan of fuel every two miles. So I mm -hmm. was fueling every two miles. And so it worked really great. Like I said, up until mile 13. Your so stomach held up great too, Allie, by the way. Like you had no GI issues. Do you realize this stomach was built on fucking Taco Bell and McDonald's? Like 
<laughs> if I can, if I can handle Taco Bell and McDonald's, I figured I could handle a lot of fuel. But you I got, didn't even have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. I didn't even have to make a pit stop to go to the bathroom. Like I got guts of fucking steel over here. Yeah. What you talking about? I nothing makes you feel like a better bitch than realizing that like your gut is like steel, like rock solid. Like you can't nothing That's can so, mess it up. Well, in training, you know, we trained your gut to to be able to take in all those calories and all those carbs. And I literally and, thought you were psychotic when you were saying like every two miles. I was like, well, dude. It too. Caitlin was like, oh my God, you're just like, you're making her eat too much. And I'm like, I'm telling you, this shit's going to get really tough here on this back half. And we need to make sure she's got the calories to fuel the body. Mm -hmm. So that was my thinking. So yeah, mile 13. So the first 12 miles, I was golden. I was hitting my 1130 to 1140 pace. Mile 13 is when I got that first side stitch. So he called me and that pace was 1428. So we started going downhill quickly. We went from 1140, 1130 to 1140 to a 1428. And right there, I started realizing shit was going to start getting real because it was starting to get hot. The sun was already in full force um, and the side stitch. And then my mental, like once you have one little thing kind of start unraveling, at least for me, once you have like... Once you have like, you guys know when you have a shirt and you have like a string and it's like pisses you off. It's like one little string, but it's not like messing up the shirt. But if you like pull that string or if you put too much emphasis on that string, the whole shirt just fucking falls apart. And that's kind of how I felt like it went for me after mile 13 is just like it went to a dumpster fire. Like that's the nicest way I can say, like literally I just lit a lit a match into the dumpster and lit like it blew the fuck up. So mm -hmm. mile 13, I had the side stitch and then my foot started cramping. So I started getting a really bad foot cramp around mile 13 or 13. So that one was a really slow mile, but then it went away because something I have realized y'all and amongst my marathon travels, um, if you keep moving a lot enough, the pain just kind of goes away. It just numbs out. And so after mile 13, my foot got numb. Like it was no big deal anymore. I didn't, it didn't stress me out. So I ended up going back down to a 12 minute mile for that next mile. Um, little did I know that things were going to progressively get worse. Um, so mile 13 side stitch. I had the mental shit. I was trying to get myself out of it. Caleb was giving me motivation and I was like, okay, I can do this. Came back a little bit for the next two miles. So for mile 14, I did an 11 or 12 minute and mile 15, I did a 13 and a half, but towards the end of mile 15, um, I honestly don't even know. I like to me, I know it went bad fast, but I was in such a bad headspace right there. Like yeah. I, my shoulder. So for a lot of you guys that were following me, you saw that I iced my shoulder. And so from what the medic people said, I had inflammation and fluid buildup in my rotator cuff. And so I could not move my arm at all. And I, <laughs> and I let that literally get so in my head. And I, I don't even, I, I, maybe you can, cause literally those miles were such a blur to me because I was so emotional, mm -hmm. um, between from like mile 15 to mile 17, 
I don't know. I was so emotional. Like, so I will say it's a little caveat here. You know, you were talking about like the, using the thread analogy and everything. And, um, you know, marathoning is such a great teacher for life, you know, like, <laughs> Nothing will about- make you feel the whole rainbow of fucking emotions and one day like marathon training. Yeah. Like you literally feel every, I, I say, day. I say you feel every single emotion. You feel every single emotion that some people feel in a year to two year fitness journey in one day. Like I, that's the, that's the best way I can describe it. You feel like the beginning, like the first few miles, you're super motivated. It's like the beginning of your fitness journey. Everything's feeling right. You're motivated. Everything's great. Then you get a little bit in and you're like, uh, this kind of like, this is getting a little hard. And then you start like saying, mm, but you're still going because it's still new. Then you get a little bit further in. You're like, why the fuck am I doing this? Like, what, what was I thinking? I'm still going to go. But like, what was I thinking? Then you get a little bit further in. You're like, I can't do this. It's hard. I want to give up. Your body's hurting. You're tired. You're crying. Like that's when you're really in depth in the fitness journey. Then at some point you get, well, I've only got three more miles left. I might as well, you know, keep going. And then you kind of get into the other side, but I swear there's nothing that makes you feel every single emotion in the Mm -hmm. span of five hours, like running a marathon. It's unlike anything I've ever felt. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. You know, just just seeing how, you know, you started to face those walls and everything. And one thing that I continue to drive home to you, and I don't know if you even remember me saying this or not, but I'm like, I don't remember much from those miles, except how much excruciating pain I was in. (laughs) I kept telling you, I said, Allie, you're going to get through this. Like, I know shit is really hard right now, but it's not going to stay like this. Like we're in that Valley. We're in that dark place right now, but we're going to come out of this, you know? And it's, a, it's like what a lot of us face in everyday life, you know, like we're having our worst day ever. And you're like, Oh my God, when is this going to end? But you know, the next day is like, Oh, okay. I made it through that. And it's the same thing out there in the race. It's just like managing those emotions and that stress and just staying calm and working problem solving. And I think that was one thing that we continue to do really well as a team, you and I together. I, I just kept help, helping you like, okay, celebrating these small wins along the way, right? It was like, okay, we're really we're really freaking struggling at mile 14. But look, Allie, let's just run to this next cone. Let's run. Let's walk to the next cone. Let's run to the next. Let's just like staying super present, just taking it one step at a time, knowing that you're inching closer and closer to that finish line. No, I'm not going to lie, y'all. I have never gotten so close to quitting during a race as I have this one. Like if I wasn't out there, you would have quit. I oh, really- 100%. I would have, I would have quit because not only was I dealing with this shoulder pain and it was excruciating, but I was also in no man's land. And if you guys run, you know what no man's land is. It's literally like, there's not a soul around you. It's just you and the road. Like the, because this was a smaller race, everybody was so spaced out by this point. Like I didn't have anybody else around me. So literally it feels like you're doing an excruciatingly long run all by yourself. So you don't have energy from a crowd. You don't have energy from the fellow racers. It's just you. And I remember just going through like, you know, Caleb was in the car and he was meeting me every few miles. Um, then it was like every three miles or something like that, two miles. And 
I just remember him coming up and I was like, I'm all alone. Like, I can't do this. I, I just can't. Like, I feel so alone. I felt so isolated. I was in so much pain and he just had to keep reminding me, like, you're not alone. Like there's so many people out there for you. But in this moment, like you just, you hone in on everything that could be going wrong. You're like laser focused on it. Like I could not see anything past the pain and how alone I felt in that moment. And I would like try to start running and I would only make it like 15 seconds. And then I would have to start walking. And so I literally at one point just gave up. I was like, I'm just going to walk the rest of this. Like, I can't do it. Like physically, I did not feel like I could do it. I was in so much pain. I was so excruciatingly just like, and he, I'm sure he could see like how defeated I felt. I just Mm -hmm. felt so utterly defeated because at this point I realized like my goal was not going to happen. I felt like I was letting everybody down. I was having a, I was throwing a little, like I was crying so hard because I felt like I was letting every single person that was, that believed in me down, like letting my clients down, letting my coach down. Um, I mean, I, I think I, I think I apologized for letting you down (laughs) at least 12 times during (laughs) I was like, Ali, you're not letting anybody. The only way you're going to let me down is if you step off this course and quit. Like, and it's not even about me. It's about you remembering tomorrow and how you're going to feel tomorrow if you step off this course and quit. Mm-hmm. You know, and th- like you kept talking about the shoulder and and I have to tell everybody what I said at mile 14. Like, I remember looking back at mile 14 and I was like, Ali, I'm, I'm going to say this to you. You're probably not going to like it. Fuck that shoulder. <laughs> It's like, you do not need that shoulder to finish this race. We're going to get through this. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so we got through that little bit of hurdle and I don't know, I don't even feel like I got through it. I feel like I just like <laughs> had to survive it. Like it was, there's and that's and, what you got to do sometimes. You just like, got to bite and survive. I feel like that's with anything, right? Like everybody feels like, okay, so if you miss your goal or it's really hard, like, Quitting is the best option, but if you keep fighting through it and if you make it your goal just to survive, not thrive, like sometimes it's okay for your goal to just be to survive through that hard stuff, like survive through the hard things. You don't always have to thrive to be able to finish. Like there is sometimes in your life where your goal can be just to survive and that be good enough. And I feel like right then when I was having my shoulder, I was having all this going, like my goal right there was just to like survive through the miles, like survive through the pain until it it went away. And so he started feeding me Motrin at like mile 15. I, I feel like that, like, I can't say he gave me some, I I felt like I was fed Motrin through everybody and I needed it. I literally was like an addict, like a fiend, like, give it to me. (laughs) I was probably popping more freaking Motrin than like Post Malone pops Percocets. Like I literally felt like I was like, I was like, is there a way to get addicted to Motrin? Because I feel like if I pop another one, I might become addicted. But I literally on my reel that I posted Monday, I was like, or Monday today, which we're recording this, but I said, um, shout out to Motrin, Biofreeze and Recovery Lion, because without y'all, I would not have gotten through this. (laughs) And literally, I do not think I would have finished it without Motrin and Biofreeze. Ended up, um, his wife ended up Biofreezing it at mile, I don't know, I think it was like mile 15. 
17 or 18, something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think it was like 17. 17, yeah. So mid-17, I'm looking at my paces here and I can tell. Mid-17 was when I got biofreeze because then that next mile, I went from a 1539 to a 1430. So I felt good for another mile. But you know, something about biofreeze, it ends up wearing off especially when you're sweating. So then the next mile, the pain like started kicking back in. I was hitting another wall and you know, they kept saying like, Allie, you're going to get through this wall. You're going to get through this wall. And you know, that you will, like, you know, that like meant like, I'm trying to think rationally. I knew that it, the wall is not going to last forever, but when you're in the midst of it, like it felt never ending because I've never had such a such a long wall does that make sense like yeah like yeah no you the pain cave a lot of people call it you know i figured that you you entered into that pain cave and then you you realize that there is no end in sight and that's kind of where you were at for a long long time you know well i've never had shoulder pain so i was sitting here thinking i royally fucked up my shoulder like if you it's want like, to lose my arm <laughs> like literally i'm like i'm gonna lose my arm i'm because i'm like my shoulder's fucked up i'm gonna have to go to the hospital like i was just letting my thoughts run wild and at one point like i could not breathe i was having a panic attack about everything just the fact that I felt like I was letting everybody down, the fact that I wasn't going to hit my goal and like the Enneagram eight in me, the achiever in me, I was over here like, well, the challenger, the like the Enneagram eight in me, like I do not do well with not hitting my goals. I don't do well with like not doing things well. And so I was like freaking out. And I remember telling Caleb, I was like, I can't breathe. Like I, I was trying to take a deep breath and I could not do it. And so right then and there, I was like, I'm dying. I am dying on this course. There's going to be a freaking, I'm going to be like a cross on the side that says, RIP, she died trying to run a marathon. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I think this, this part of your race was really critical because this is when we were really focusing on just getting to that next con and breaking it down into those digestible bites. Like I, I think that, and you know, celebrating those small wings, like even when you got to, uh, you got to 16 and you touched the the mile marker there. And I'm like, look, Allie, we're, we're getting close to single digits now. Like we got this. You can okay, do, you can okay. do. Y'all were saying you're in single digits and we were still like, we were still like 10.4 around. I was like, shut up. We are not in single digits. You're over here trying to make it sound better than it is. Like, I don't want to hear it. You're a liar. I got mean. There was at one point where one of the nice older ladies that was, um like heading the like volunteer for the marathon she offered me a chair <sighs> that was the wrong thing to do right there because i'm just over here mumbling under my breath i'm like i don't need a fucking chair if i sit in the goddamn chair i'm not gonna get back up and caleb yeah like, no, no she doesn't need he's trying to be nice and like talk to her and i'm just like gotta go i need to focus because i'm gonna lose it i don't know i think i got to the point where i was in so much pain like i just was mean and i probably was mean to caleb too and i'm sorry but like you, hindsight you i'm really sorry for being mean to you if i was no you wasn't actually you you're more you're apologizing more than you are being mean <laughs> well, you're like, you have to be out here and i'm like I, that's why i came down here for i mean well he literally got out and ran two of the miles with me like like he literally got on the course and like, I'm telling y'all 
get you a running coach that will freaking get on the course with you if you need it. It was just, and he lost, like his wife lost us, was trying to like navigate her. <laughs> Luckily for him, trying to run slash walk a 15 minute pace is like he could crawl faster than that. So like it was no, no skin off his back. I'm over here like, I really hope you started your watch so you can count this as towards your activity. <laughs> like I was just in such a negative headspace and spiraling. And I felt like. We just I had to keep on the rails. I mean, just that's, that was the thing, you know, just surviving each minute. Because I knew you was ready to check out. Oh, I knew that I knew car was looking mighty fine. Mighty fine. I had already, I had already in my mind was just trying to like validate quitting if that makes sense like in my oh, mind yeah. during those miles i was trying to validate how i would how i would present it to other people so i they wouldn't be as disappointed as i was with myself if that makes sense like well my shoulder and this and that like i was trying to validate and make it okay for myself to quit to the point where I feel like I'm not letting myself down because I had no choice. I had to quit. And I feel like a lot of people do that in their fitness journeys. Like they, they, before shit goes South, before it's, it gets too hard or it gets to a really hard point in your mind, you're finding all of the supporting reasons why it's okay for you to quit so that if you quit, you can justify it. Well, I see, this is why I quit. Like I really didn't have a choice. This and this and that was up against me. And so before you even decide to quit, you're you're trying to justify it in your head and come up with supporting arguments and supporting reasons why it's okay for you to quit. And I was doing that for a solid two, like a mile and a half coming up with all the supportive reasons why I could quit. And if it wasn't for, well, him and his, his wife were literally yelling, be that bitch out of the car. So that was that, 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 (laughs) that brought me up a little bit, but if it wasn't for literally just not giving me the option to quit, I probably would have because I had a million different reasons why it was justified for me to quit. Like in my head, I'd already come up with them all. Like my shoulder pain, my foot pain, my legs were cramping up, right? I had the side stitch. Um, it was hot. Like all of these reasons as to why other people on the outside would say, oh, I understand why you quit. Like it's yeah. okay. Like yeah. you don't worry that that's, that's justifiable. Like, cause I know everybody would have done it when I said that, but at the end of the day, I'd ask myself this, if I woke up tomorrow and I quit, how would I feel versus if I push through this and I woke up the next day, how would I feel? Um, yeah. And so, and then also I am a person that like, I want to know if it's going to get any better. Maybe I'm just a glutton for punishment, but I'm like somebody like, you know, they say you're going to get over this wall. Is it going to ever get any better? Like if I keep going, will I eventually get better? And so, you know, Caleb asked me before the race even started, what's some of your mantras? And one of my big, biggest mantras, and I've used it for the last three years is just one more mile, right? Just one more day. So it was during 75 hard. It was just one more day. Like just, just give it one more day and then you can quit. And so for me, it was give it just one more mile and then you can quit. And I would literally just repeat that every single mile. All you just give it one more mile and then you can quit. Okay. You did one more mile. You did one, like, let's just give it one more mile and then you can quit. And so that's something like, I just kept repeating in my head. Like, let me just do one more mile. Let me just do one more mile. And then it's like, I, okay, I'm at mile 20. Like I did not come this far 
to only come this far. And so once I saw mile 20, I was like, okay, like, I feel like I can almost do this. And I got, I got past the wall a little bit, but I will say after doing three of the hardest miles I've ever ran in my entire life, trying to go any faster after that than like a 13 felt impossible. And I think like, that's something a lot of people don't realize is after you go slow for so long, trying to get your legs to turn over, to go faster, even if you feel like you have it in you, it was like, my legs wouldn't go any faster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, not only at mile 20, like you, you, you come out of that, that pain cave and everything, but you started catching some people. You know, like you, yeah. you, you were moving, you know, you was in good spirits again. And it was just like seeing you take on a new life and have a new mindset going into those last, that last 10 K that you was like, get I, back in the car. I know. Well, another thing too, I was like, Damn, am I, I was asking Caitlin, I said, am I stopping too much? Am I distracting her? Cause I was, you know, I was freaking out and I wanted to make sure, you know, we kept, we kept you uh, hydrated and, and fed and everything. But at the same time, I was like, man, I, I think I'm breaking up, you know, that flow that she's generating and everything. And so that's why I started spacing it out a little bit more. And I think that that really helped you in that moment. I think when you needed us the most, we were there. And then you kind of, you kind of were, were, you're in a better headspace. And I was like, okay, now let's just let her run, you know? And that's, that kind of, that was my mindset going into those last several miles. Yeah. And I think we, we ended up playing it really well with those last seven. I got some, you know, I felt like I had a recharge at every station. So like, you know, every med where every medical tent was, they were to biofreeze and Motrin me back up again. Um, and then my, two of my clients, came from not only Idaho, but also Montana to run the half marathon with me. And so they, at the, after theirs, they ended up getting on the course and were like walking around trying to find me. And so they found me at one point and gave me like the biggest bear hug. And I swear y'all, there is nothing that re-energizes you more and breathes more life into you than a hug. And when I saw them and just the fact that like they came and found me. They didn't go back to the hotel or they didn't like just sit there and wait at the finish line. Like they went and found me. Oh my gosh. I just felt so in that moment, I felt like I wasn't letting them down. Like I felt like I was, I, since I was still fighting and I was here, like they were proud of me and they were telling me they were proud of me. And as somebody who, you know, I find a lot of my value and how I can help others. And especially as a coach, like, I mean, I'm sure Caleb, you're the same way. Like you feel like you're only as good as you can show up for like them. And like, if you're, if you quit, then like that shows them that like they can quit and stuff like that. And so the fact that I was still going and they were saying that I was proud, they were proud of me. And then they finished, I felt like, okay, like they can finish, like I'm going to finish this. And so I kind of got, re-energized but I still couldn't get any faster like my legs just would not turn any faster and so even on those last miles where I was like more energized I was still running like a 13 and a half and I I, I just couldn't get anything else out of me and I don't know why mm -hmm. yeah no I think it just you know the the endurance and that goes back to the fact that we had to run this marathon on basically three days of run in a week, you know, every, every now and then you, you get four or get a bike in. But I mean, that in itself is impressive because mm -hmm. most people should be running five to six days a week training for a marathon. But I mean, because you've got 
you got the girls and you know busy mom and everything like that that's and chris was like okay this is what this is what i could commit to you know the fact that you were able to go out do what you did out there the other day on training three days a week is just phenomenal yeah i mean at the end of the day like everybody <laughs> we gotta talk about we gotta talk about you coming down the home stretch Allie. And I'm like running beside her. Y'all, listen, I've got a ton, a ton of no, good I was footage. Pissed. I was pissed. My watch already said I was at 26.2 miles. And he's over here running beside me telling me, all right, Allie, like it's right through here. I'm like, no, the fuck it's not. My watch already says 26.2 miles. It should be here. The finish line should be right here. And he's like, it's right around that corner. We go around that corner. It's nowhere in fucking sight. He's like, it's just a little bit further down. Y'all, it was like another <laughs> freaking half a mile away. And he just kept telling me it's right around the corner pathological liar over there but <laughs> i i don't know how every single time i race or do a race i always end up doing more than what the thing is and i don't know if it's just because yeah. i can't hold a line or he had line. me run through fucking sprinklers he was like he's like over oh, here he's like i want you to, i want you to go in this person's yard and run through their sprinklers and i'm like you <laughs> want me to do what i was like you want me to to go and trespass and run through somebody's yard so I can use their sprinklers. Like I'm gonna get arrested. But that took your mind off of what you were. I mean, off of you hurting and everything. And that was my game, my game plan with that too. I was like, I gotta get her out of you know, out of the headspace that she's in right now. So let's get her to run through this yard over here. That <laughs> He's like, throwing ice on me every which time. I had ice falling out of my bra. I have ice going through my back. I'm trying to like flip my pack because he's throwing ice down my back and I'm like my phone and my shoulder can't work. So now I'm trying to like move my pack and my shoulder wasn't working. So I couldn't get the freaking pack around. It was just like, he was doing his job and keeping me cool and it helped keep my mind off of it. But I felt like there was just no cooling down out there. Like it was just, it was so hot. And by the end of it, you know, my body was so just destroyed. I was like out of it. Like, I don't even remember crossing the finish line. I don't remember Corey and Zoe, two of my girls, like running down it with me. I don't remember getting my medal. Like, I like feel like I totally blacked out there for a minute. And I don't remember until I got to, and like the second time they told me they had the girls on Zoom. Like, I don't even remember the first time they told me. All I yeah. just remember was... I can't believe I fucking finished that. <laughs> I can. I can believe it. Now, I mean, like I said, there was, uh, there was a couple of times I thought, I told Caitlin, I got in the car, I was like, she's trying to quit. She's trying to quit. And she's like, yeah, I know. We got to get her. We just got to get her through this next mile. You know, and that was, it was just hanging on to survive at that point, you know, and then, and then seeing you take new life as you got deeper into the race. And then like, once you got to 20 though, I knew you was going to finish. When I, when I, I posted that video of you turning the corner right there at 20 and you was like pumped up, you know, we had the, we had the music blaring and everything. And I was like, she's got this shit now. Like we, we're good. So like just watching you, Allie work through that pain cave and work through those inner demons that you were facing out there and to go on and set a new PR I know it's not what we were looking for, but a PR is a PR. And I, and this is the part where I always get emotional because everybody's like, Allie, you PR'd. And yes, like, but I feel like I didn't 
because my first marathon, y'all, if you listen to that episode and if not like scroll up, it's, it's up there somewhere. Um, you know, I, I got lost. Uh, it was hot. It was hilly. Like there were so many factors and I still finished it in 547. And I was so proud of that because of all of those things. And this time I'm, I've been having a really hard time being proud of finishing this, um, and being proud of what I accomplished simply because like, I didn't have those other things. And I feel like, you know, just the fact that I didn't get lost and the fact that I'm a year after my first marathon, like, I felt like I should have done so much better and, you know, just how hard it was on my body and how much I struggled. I just, in those moments felt like I've let everybody down, including myself and like finishing a marathon, you know, everybody says like, yeah, well you should just be happy. You finished it because less than 1% of the population do a marathon. And even less than that do two marathons. And like, logically I know that, but like emotionally right now, I I'm just so pissed off at myself. Like, I'm just, I feel like I, I could have done so much better and I let myself down somewhere. Like, I don't know if it was during my training, if it was during the race, if it was what, but I feel like because I had to rely so heavily on you, it makes me now question, like, am I really as strong as I thought I was? Like, (laughs) do I, do I really have as much grit as I thought I did? Because if I did, then I should have been able to pull myself out of that. Like I should have been able to fight through that pain. And the fact that I wasn't able to makes me feel like I'm a lot weaker than I thought I was. And I'm having a really hard, and that's just me being vulnerable right now, y'all. Like I know people are going to DM me like, girl, you should be so proud you finished. And I know, and I know, and I thank you guys for that. But when you're in this kind of headspace, especially when you're somebody who is like really hard on yourself it can be really hard to think logically instead of emotionally. And I always tell my girls that I'm like, y'all, you got to think with your logical brain, not your emotional brain, but fuck, is it hard when you're the person that like, can't separate the two, you know what I mean? So. I think that, you know, over my, my running career over the last several years and everything, I have had some very disappointing finishes and everything. And so I know where you're at. And I, I validate how you're feeling and everything. What what I will say is, um, as far as like shame and and being being embarrassed to how 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 well you done or how well you didn't do, that really I mean because then we we take away from the the whole purpose of why we run. It's not even about the finishes. Like you know, it's not about the the times. It's not about any of that. It's like who we become right as we run and sign up for these races and go out here and uh you know like i just read a few minutes ago like the marathon oath is nothing you know this is such a really challenging distance and when you think you could come into these races Allie, and have the best training block and shit just go sideways so like attaching your happiness on the result in in a race like this in the marathon is is going to be very it's going to leave you um, unfulfilled, right? Because I'm like some people attaching their happiness to the scale, like it's attaching your happiness to any kind of measurement. It's going to always leave you feeling super unfulfilled, but it's like, it's so hard because especially with the marathon, like you work your ass off for months and months and months for this one day, this one day. 
And if that one day goes sideways for any reason, like you automatically just feel like, like, what's the point? Like, like that's the kind of mindset that I'm at right now. I'm like, do I even want to run another one just to be let down again? Like, do I even want to try to put myself through that mentally, physically, and emotionally when like, like it was just, it's so draining and you know, like at the end of it, I don't know. It's just, who. And I guess that's a lot of people, right? They have that mindset. Like I've conquered my mindset around my fitness journey. I know a lot of people are like, do I even want to try again? If I, I like I failed time and time again, like, is it even worth trying again? Is it even worth like putting myself through that again, just to fail? And I'm literally thinking that I would tell them like, yes, it's worth it. Because what if you succeed? I literally fucking tell people that, but my brain is so fucked right now that I can't see the, okay, but what if it's your best run yet? But you won't know because you'll never sign up for another one. Like, like you're really planning on like hanging up your sneakers and freaking never running distance running again because of one bad race, because a training, like, it's just like my logical brain knows I sound like a big whiny ass baby, but like (laughs) my emotional brain right now is just, she's loud. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, you're you're two days removed from the race. I mean, you're the stress is still really high. Your body's still recovering. You're very emotional because of those things, and so like just detaching yourself from from the race, like after this podcast, you know, not even thinking about it at all, is going to be really really helpful for you, I believe. You know, and like just it's just like you know the thing I was reading a minute ago. It's the marathon. It's too far too fic- too fickle to be tamed by our intentions you know we go into this thing with an expectation that we're going to do well but we just you know i mean hell two weeks ago ali i, I thought that i was going to go out and have a good race i raced almost five minutes slower than my previous one in december like and i just it is what it is you know what i mean like it's not even about the you time say it is what life. it is now but you weren't saying that a week ago Two days. I'll, I'll wallow in it for two days. And then I'll yeah, I allow myself usually 24 hours. And I, and I feel like I'm like right at the end of that because yesterday doesn't count because I had to travel. So I allow myself like 24 hours. I always say you give yourself 24 hours to celebrate and like win all your wins, but you also give yourself 24 hours to like wallow in your self pity, but then you got to pick yourself up and move. So like, that's why I wanted to record this episode. I usually don't record the podcast until the day before it airs, but I was like, I need to record it ASAP. Like I need to just like get it all out there, get my feelings out there. And then I just need to never think about it again. Never talk about it again. Because I feel like the more that I dwell on it, the more that I think about it, the more that I talk about it, the more likely I'll never be to run a marathon again. Well, here's my 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 question that I pose to you is, um, <laughs> am I going to run another one? Because that's what everybody wants to know. <laughs> I think that in cooler temps, flatter course, I mean, because you still had 600 feet of gain, Allie. That's not I flat. did? 500, it was over 500, almost 600 feet of gain the other day that is not flat by any stretch of the imagination like and now if we get like 200 300 feet that's pretty flat over 26.2 so you know my question is when my question is to you is like i did not know that i like they literally 
advertise it as flat, but I guess there ain't really nothing flat in Georgia. I feel like I'm going to have to go to like Florida, but then Florida is too hot. Is it flat in the North Pole? I feel like the North Pole might be a good option for a race because it might not be so hot. So, huh? Antarctica and run a marathon in Antarctica. Yeah, deal. Let's go to Antarctica. <laughs> Fuck. I'm just... My like, question, though, Allie, is why Why do you sign up? Why did you sign up for a marathon in the first place? Like the first one or the second one? Yeah, no, just one of them. What, what was your reasoning behind wanting to run 26.2 miles? I wanted to do something no, not many people would ever even contemplate doing. Like, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to prove to myself, like, so you ne- you said you never could run. So let's go try to do one of the most challenging races, like distances ever. So you can prove to yourself just how much of a runner you could be. And so that's, that's me. Cause like, so like I am somebody who always likes to one up myself. So like when I finished 75 hard and I was like, all right, I'm going to try to conquer running because I never thought I could run literally grew up, never thinking I could run. So I was like, let me do a 5k. And once I completed a 5k, I get in that mindset of like, well, I wonder if I wonder if I could complete this. And then I went to a 10k and then I just kind of like it snowballs from there. Um, so like my first time I signed up for a marathon, I was like, I wonder if my body could allow myself to like cross the finish line. But also I wanted to do it to inspire others because I like, I look around and every runner is stick thin. They, you know, are in great shape. They're, they're just not me. And I never thought I could even run a mile, let alone 26.2 miles because I don't look like most runners. Like I don't, I'm not small, I'm not tiny. And so you know, I did, I did it for as me as much as everybody else, just to show like, once you set your mind to something, you can accomplish it. And then the second one is I wanted to, I was like, I want to see what I can do. If I, if all those crappy things that happened during my fast first one, didn't happen. And the fact that a lot of crappy things happened during this one too, kind of makes me think it's like, it's like, um, it's like, you know, somebody who's had like six divorces and you're like, after six divorces, like, do you really think it's them or is it you now? Like, that's what I'm thinking now with the marathon. Like, is, do you really think it's the marathons or do you, you think it's you now? And so that's how I'm thinking. I'm like, well, maybe it's just me. Like, maybe I'm just not meant to like run this distance. And that's kind of where my head's at right now. Yeah, I definitely disagree. I think that <laughs> I think that- wow. Yeah. Well, I definitely disagree. Okay. <laughs> I do. I disagree with what you're saying. I definitely think that you're built to to do this distance. Um, obviously, one to two a year is plenty for most people, no matter what skill level, skill runners that you are. But what I will say is, I feel like um, just seeing you, we left so much time out there on the course the other day, right? If the shoulder didn't flare up. That get in your head, you know, the sides, like these, these things that can be teased out um, in future races. If that, if that doesn't flare up and set you back, then you're definitely running close to five hours. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, you're running close to five hours because you started just walking so much to try to, you know, I mean, you're in your head and everything. So we lost, we left a lot of time out there on the course. You have a lot of potential, Allie. You got a lot left in the tank. And I believe that, um, you know, just like coming out the other side of this thing now, like this, the second marathon, like what, what is your mindset around, um, you know, potentially seeing what you could do in a third one? 
that's a that's a very eloquent way of saying so you're running a third marathon <laughs> if you would have asked me during the marathon I said I'm never running this again which I feel like that might be a common thing people say is they're never doing this again um the day after it was still the same answer never doing this again um now that and and I remember at one point saying this is why I love the half marathon and I remember so vividly I don't remember who which one of you guys said it but one of y'all said like, do you like the half marathon? Just, I think it was your wife. Do you like the half marathon? Do you think you like it just because it's comfortable to you? And I was like, son of a bitch. That's probably right. Like the half is just comfortable for me. It's long enough to where, you know, I feel challenged, but it's short enough to where I don't like hurt for days on end. Like not like it doesn't put your body through so much stress. And so Am I going to run another marathon? I feel like if I do, it would have to be a very strategically like planned marathon. Like it would have to be a bigger marathon with like more people. Like I don't want to do a super small one again. Um, And it would have to be one where the weather has the potential of being a lot cooler than in South Georgia Um, and definitely flatter. Like I, I just... I feel like I would have to, I would definitely travel for it and would have to be very strategically like planned out, but Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm never going to run one again, but I probably wouldn't do one until like winter. And that's like, and that, and then there's like, it's like so many variables that put into it, but you know, I'm, I, I live by the motto three strikes you're out. So maybe, maybe I, third marathon's the charm i don't fucking know all i know is it blew it blew a major one i think that a lot of times people sign up for these types of uh, for a race for a marathon specifically because we're, we're missing we're missing something in our lives that really tests us that makes us feel alive and everything and so um seeing you go i don't know there, i felt pretty dead inside when i was crying <laughs> <laughs> but I felt, end, I felt this close to just plunking on the course yeah i mean just think about it though like you were talking about a few minutes ago you know how many people would have been co-signing off on you quitting you know like oh you can't be risking injury you know that's too dangerous blah 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 but now look at you like you're putting your hair up you got your arms up you know what i'm saying like your shoulders okay you know you're able to move you're biking it like so we, we make these these decisions in the heat of the moment um that I'm like and we shouldn't be doing that in the heat of the moment right we should just, just kind like, of work. how does it happen like how did my shoulder go from feeling fine and never having any shoulder issues to literally not being able to move it to like two days afterwards now it's feeling better like i just don't understand overuse um you might have you might have been really tensed up in the shoulders and then there's the fact that just the way your gait was your arm swing something that got aggravated in there because I know, I, like I kept telling you, I experienced the same thing at the Missoula marathon. I couldn't move my shoulder for two days. Like I had to go to the, to the PT table afterwards and get them to kind of, you know, figure out what was going on with me. But it's the same thing. It's like, you know, you work through that though. Right. I mean, you didn't allow that to make you quit. So, and I allowed I it think- to slow me the fuck down. <laughs> It definitely Everybody's like, did. but why do you use your, like, how do you hurt your arm while running? I'm like, y'all, do you not realize running uses every muscle in your body? 
Like, it's not just your fucking legs. Like you use your core, you use your arms, you use your legs, you use your back. Like you literally, like when you wake up after a marathon, you feel like you ran over by a semi truck. And then the semi truck backs back over you just because they thought they missed you. Like, that's how your body feels. Like I literally hurt from the tip of my head to my toenails. Something a lot of people don't warn you about. Your fucking toenails get so sore. And RIP toenails, sometimes you'll lose a toenail. Um, and yeah, you think it's a chip in a bed, but <laughs> inside joke. Right? Uh, but no, seriously, like it's just I did. And then in the midst of that, I asked myself multiple times, I'm like, why the fuck did I pay to do this? Like mm-hmm. Why do we pay over a hundred dollars to do this? And the only answer I can come up with right now is to prove to ourselves we can, to prove to ourselves like we can do hard things. And like you said, like quitting in the heat of the moment is the worst possible thing you could ever do. And that's what I literally, I, everything I like you're saying, like logically, like I say all the time, logically, you know this. I tell my clients that all the time. I'm like, girl. Like you can only quit on your quit on good days. Like don't allow yourself to quit on a bad day because you're making too much of an emotional decision. And that might be a part of what kept me going is I didn't want to make a super emotional decision because God was I emotional. I am not even an emotional person. And literally somebody could look at me after that marathon and I started crying. Like it was just, it was not cute. How often do we put ourselves as coaches, Allie, um, in the heat of adversity, in the furnace of adversity to, to allow ourselves to practice what we preach. Mm. And I like, you know, it's one thing to do a boot camp. It's one thing to do these workouts with our clients and everything, but that does not test you like what you just faced on Saturday. I mean, there's just, there, there's no, there's no uh, physical endeavor that we can do like a marathon like training for and then going out and trying to race a marathon. And it's like I read a few minutes ago, you know, race, the race is, is the test. You know, it's about submitting yourself to the task, the unsure, unsure of the outcome for the thrill of discovering the answer to the question. Can I handle this much for that long? What other physical challenge do, presents that to us? You know what I'm saying? And that's why we sign up after we said that we weren't ever going to sign up again. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know. All I know is um I hope I inspired y'all. And if you saw the videos that he got, they're probably scare you off from ever running one. I don't think um it's not for the faint hearted, that's for damn sure. God. You you better I mean, you know, you better freaking uh pray over this. You better be thinking about you know, if you're ready to commit to it, because it is definitely not for the faint of heart. It's tough. It's tough. And it should be. I mean, being on your feet, like, like people complain all the time. Like I'm on my feet for eight hours a day at work. We'll add, you know, make that five and a half, almost six hours on your feet running in the heat (laughs) and think about like, oh, it's just, y'all, I'm not kidding. But I mean, I will say, Against all the adversity, all the shit that happened, it did teach me a lot. Like it taught me that the wall is not made of cement. When you get to that wall, it's not made of cement. It's made of like cardboard. Like you, you can push through it. It just takes a little bit of effort. Um, you know, it taught me that once you let your mind run, it's really hard to get it back. And so just 
I don't know. I always feel like I'm really good at controlling my mindset, but during these runs, it makes me realize like, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. And it just gives you stuff to keep working on and keep fighting towards. So, you know, when I go into my races, anytime I go into a race, I look forward to those tough miles. I look forward to going into that pain cave. I do because I'm like, I don't have anything else that tastes me or challenges me like that. And hey, so Mr. Goggins, I, Mr. David Goggins over there. Oh my gosh. Serious. Like it's, it definitely makes you feel alive and teaches you a lot of lessons that you can apply to other areas of your life. And so my question to you again is for somebody that's listening to this podcast or following your journey, why should they submit themselves or commit themselves to running a marathon? After hearing everything you just shared, why would you tell somebody that's never ran one to run one? I I mean, honestly, because like I said, there's nothing that makes you there's nothing that makes you feel all the emotions in one day like a marathon. And I know it sounds scary to feel all those emotions, but I feel like everybody should do something like super mentally taxing and physically taxing once in their life. And a marathon for me is that now, do I feel like everybody should run one? Probably not, but I feel like everybody should do something that emotionally and mentally and physically scares the crap out of them. If that means a half marathon, if that means, you know, a whole marathon, if that means something like something that you've got to really go for and like apply yourself for, and it tests your ability. Um, but why should you run a marathon? Honestly, right now, I don't know. <laughs> ask me in a couple more days and I might have a more eloquent answer but right now um the way that I'm feeling I don't fucking know why I put myself through this I don't know I felt like I feel like you know the day after I would say nobody should do this 10 out of 10 don't recommend um two days after I felt like well you know it was a really good mental challenge so maybe three days after I'll get into the positive mindset. But right now we're not at 10 out of 10 don't recommend anymore, but we're still struggling to figure out why we put ourselves through this. Hey, why, why do you run the marathon? Maybe you can inspire them since I'm in a shithead space right now. <laughs> um, I run to meet a stronger more resilient version of myself. That's why I put myself in hard situations. That's why I really look forward to entering into that pain cave. And also too, another thing that really inspired me, Allie, is, I mean, just your story and your journey and your running journey, especially like the thing, the things that you're teaching your girls is priceless. Yeah. The, the work that you put in to preparing for this thing them seeing you day in and day out, practice delayed gratification, commitment, hard work, putting yourself in, in a situation where you might fail and you do it anyways, that is priceless. And I get to do that too for, for my community, for my son. And I think that, you know, whenever we have that intrinsic motivate, those intrinsic motivators like that, we succeed and we can stay committed to these things. And um, so that's, you know, that's a couple of reasons that I run. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, running does teach you the, the beauty of de delayed gratification. And, you know, I feel like, yes, where I, 
I've struggled a lot and I'm not anywhere where I want to be. I still am trying to hold on to the truth that I am so much further than where I started. Because I mean, I started running in September of 2021 and I started at literally my goal was a 45 minute 5k. Like that was like my big, like audacious goal. And I don't even know what pace that is now, but I can, I can just remember that being my big audacious goal. Like I started at my, my mile was a 16 and a half minute mile. What I was walking really painful in, in a lot of pain. And so I'm just trying to hold on to the fact that yes, like we always get so caught up in the, like where I'm not where I want to be, but you're so far from where you were at one point. And so, yeah, you know, I'm going into, I don't know. What's that? a year and a few months. I don't know. I'm not mathing right now. I'm going into just over a year of running and I've run countless half marathons, two 10 Ks, two five Ks, two marathons. Gotten faster too. I mean, yeah, like you- I got in faster. So I'm just trying to hold on to the facts, right? Like, and that's something that I do, especially when I feel like I'm making a lot of emotional decisions after the fact, I like to write down all of like the hard facts that can be proven because a lot of the emotional things can't be proven. It's a feeling, right? It's just, it's emotion. And so the best way to combat those emotions, and especially when you feel like they're overtaking, is with hard, solid facts. And so, like, I wrote, literally wrote down, like, the fact that, you know, I, I I ran a 1150 and an easy heart rate, like, the fact that that was miles away from where I was, right? The fact that I've only, I haven't even been running two years, like, Some people, you know, don't run marathons in their entire lifetime, let alone once they started two years. So, you know, I'm trying to work through these headspace and these are the things that I kind of do for myself, but I felt like it was, it's good sometimes for even, especially the listeners to know, like, no matter how far you get into this journey, sometimes your head just gets all fucky and you just got to work through it. And the only way to work, the only way to get through it is to work through it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you just said, remembering, you know, how things were when you first started and where you are right now and the progress that you've made, you know, and not looking so far down the road that you lose sight of everything that you've accomplished up until that point. You know, it's so important to do that, to stop and and, and to appreciate the things that you that you've accomplished and the progress that you've made. And you've made a ton of progress, Allie. I mean, shit, you're doing 800 meter repeats at sub 10 minute pace. Like, I mean, you do that on a consistent basis. Like you're getting so, you're getting so fast. You really are. You have progressed so much as a runner. And since we started working together, not even a year ago. And I'm super proud of you. And you should be very proud of yourself too. And the fact that you have, you did not let yourself down. You remembered what, how you were going to be feeling the next day. And you kept, uh, you kept in mind, you know, just setting a good example for your girls. And I mean, that's, that's some huge wins in my book and I'm proud of you. Thank you. So I probably will run a marathon again. We'll end it with that. Um, I won't trust myself to pick it. I'll probably let Caleb pick it or something like that, but I do not see myself not doing it again because I'm not somebody who wants to quit on a bad note. And so I want to make sure if I never run a marathon again, I quit on a good marathon. So that means Let's we're gonna, we're gonna run another one eventually. I don't freaking know when, but we're gonna run one again eventually. So anyway, we're gonna work on five k, ten k, and speed and stuff, and getting faster, and then we'll look. We'll talk about a marathon later. 
All right. Well, hey, tell everybody where they can find you on social and anything like that. Pimp yourself out real quick. All right. So you can find me on Instagram at underscore recovery lion, the king of the jungle. Don't, I mean, it's, that's not in my handle, but underscore recovery line 86. And um, I've got my link tree in there. So just hit me up if you're looking into uh, getting in some coaching and running some races. Let's do it. Yeah. He does free consultations. And y'all, I'm telling you, even if you're not going out for a marathon, even if you're just wanting to run a 10K or a half marathon or whatever, you are never too much of a beginner to work with a coach. Like, because we don't know what we don't know. And so he works with people that are working on 10Ks to fit like anywhere from 10Ks to marathons from beginner to elite. So just, just know that you're never too much of a beginner to hire somebody to help, help you. With I, it. Oh, I got, um, destiny right quick destiny. She's going to be running her first ever race. It's a three and a half miler this weekend. And Parker, who's probably the, the fastest runner that I coach, he's uh, a Boston qualifier sub three hour marathoner. So, I mean, we, I coach people all the way across the board, all the way across the spectrum. So, um, yeah, reach out. All righty, y'all. Well, I'm going to leave you like I leave you every time in week. In a world full of bitches, be that bitch. Love y'all, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>